This is Channel 253. In this episode of Nerd Farmer. For the sake of learning, for the sake of not putting uh, students and families in really difficult situations, I think the mass mandate moving forward, given our vaccination levels, given the kind of breakouts that we're seeing in other parts of the country around the Delta uh, variant, I think is a, a sensible decision. Did you know Channel 253 is member-supported? I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I hope you will show your support by going to channel253.com slash membership and join. Thank you. This is the Nerd Farmer Podcast, a national conversation through a local lens. Welcome to the Nerd Farmer Podcast, brought to you by our friends at Libro FM. My name is Nate, and I'm your host, an American teacher here in gorgeous North Tacoma in the Moon Yard Studios. This is not an education podcast. I talk about that very often. But in my waning days in town, as we're thinking about going back to school, I want to have some very ed-centric conversations. My goal over the next few episodes is to talk to a teacher, a policy advocate, a community partner, and a student about their thoughts about going into this upcoming school year. The last two years have been incredibly disruptive uh, for students, for teachers, for parents, for everybody. And we're heading into what I think a lot of people imagined as a normal school year, but we're heading in with rising cases in many parts of the country and also the Delta variant around. And so the pessimist in me has a lot of concerns about what the next year is going to bring. And the observer in me has some wonders about what we're seeing from uh, school districts and states about plans. And so I want to have these conversations uh, over the next couple of weeks to kind of get out points of view about where things should be and where things are going. My guest today is a man named Bill Hanawalt, and Bill is the director of an organization called Degrees of Change, and he'll talk to that a little bit today, and he's also a candidate for Tacoma School Board. For the record, uh, Bill has my support in the election, and he did an episode of Citizen Tacoma podcast that you should listen to, and I'll link to that in the show notes. Uh, Bill, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Nate. Uh, Bill, what does Degrees of Change do in normal times? Yeah, so Degrees of Change uh, supports uh, students uh, in their transition to and completion of college uh, and also in their development of, of kind of career skills. We focus on um, students of color, students uh, from uh, you know, lower income backgrounds um, and, and provide them the support that they need. Uh, but we talk about our programs as uh, the goal isn't that um, – not just the college degree or the career, but we really work on developing uh, leaders for local communities. I'm uh, honored to serve there as the senior director of, of development and finance. Um, and uh, yeah, we we uh, we try and support local communities to to develop local leaders. I feel like you're being a bit modest about the work. What does that support look like? Like what kind of support are they offering to students? Yeah, so that looks like uh, we really have two main uh, direct service programs. Um, the first is is called Act 6. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a partnership with local colleges who provide full tuition, full need scholarships. Uh, students get um, three months of pre-college, uh, actually more like four to five months of pre-college intensive 
uh, training and support before they go off to school. And then we send them to school in cohorts so that they don't go alone, um, so that they have uh, the support of of students and young people from their community on their college campus so that they can be successful. Um, That program uh, has a six-year graduation rate of over 80%, which is about double the national average and is setting, you know, I think there's just incredible um, leaders in our community who've come out of – of the Act 6 program. And then we're developing a newer program that's really built around uh, career development, uh, particularly for uh, young people of color in college. And and um, just as we probably discovered 20 or 30 years ago that just getting students into college wasn't enough, that they needed support um, uh, in their journey to graduation, that we're finding now more and more data around the reality that a college degree isn't enough, that we need to support uh, young people in their transition to career to make sure that they are um, positioned well around uh, impacting their community, around career goals and objectives, and and also just around um, wealth and earning Mm -hmm. potential, which is set really early on based on those first for first few steps uh, you take within your career. Yeah, and I've always admired the Axis program. Uh, in my time at Lincoln High School, I had probably a dozen students uh, win Axis scholarships, and that made it possible for them to go to Gonzaga to, oh boy, don't name all the schools from memory, don't do this, for Gonzaga f- to Whitworth yeah. to PLU in particular. I sent a lot of students. Um, how has that work looked the last two years? Yeah, so we're really fortunate. Our CEO, Tim Heron, is a tech kind of wizard Mm -hmm. uh, along with many other things. And so uh, because our program, we run the program here in Tacoma, Seattle, but we support affiliates who run our programs in the Yakima Valley Mm -hmm. in Spokane, but also in the Midwest, in Chicago, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Indianapolis. Um, We were set up uh, well to transition to online. Um, now that's been challenging. Still, uh, our 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 trainings and our support of students has has moved to Zoom, mm-hmm. like many uh, of our work. Um, uh, our internship program last summer basically um, we were projecting thirty to forty internships. It went down to three or four, mm-hmm. um, uh, and and it's looked like supporting students, um, uh, you know, to make sure that as some transitioned home. Um, that they had what they needed to learn online. Um, but also, like, the, the reality is we had, I mean, and I think people talk about this, we had these twin pandemics going on, right? It wasn't just COVID. Um, we had to support our students and our incredibly diverse staff to also just navigate um, the reality of, of black folks being murdered, you know? And, and um those things together, um, the the trauma that people were experiencing yeah. and going through on a daily basis and navigating um, was tremendous. Both our students and our staff, and we had to um, figure out and 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 provide the support that we could and 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 walk walk with folks as we navigated uh, those realities together. Yeah. 
We've talked about it on prior episodes, but one of the concerns I had during the remote schooling era was I think about the extent to which teachers like myself at schools like Lincoln High School and teachers like uh, myself at other schools like Mount Tahoma, uh, Franklin Pierce High School, Clover Park, oftentimes drag kids kicking and screaming through the application process for things and through the scholarship process and through hunting for scholarships and financial aid offers and all that. And that in the era of remote schooling, that was not done with the same ferociousness that it would be otherwise. Like you can't hold, you cannot hold. So Lincoln, I used to have a night where every kid brought their financial aid offer and we would sit down with parents and read through the financial offer and really explain brass tacks, how much school was going to cost. There was nobody providing that service to people during the pandemic. And that's something that, that that's, that's always troubled me about the group of kids who have graduated the last two years. Um, in your role, you partner with Tacoma schools, but also lots of districts around the, the region. I'm wondering, what lessons are you hoping that school districts and the state and uh, folks just in general involved in education have learned from the last two years that we should take into this fall? Yeah, there, there's there's a ton of lessons, and I think we're still kind of sorting through mm-hmm. um, through the most important of those. Um, I I think the goal. We have to take the the lessons around accessibility that that online offers, mm-hmm. um, and uh, really supported families and students in their real lived experiences. Um, it, it gave a, a level of flexibility and a level of um, accessibility um, to to students and families as they went through life. Um, that I think was really important. And I, I think we have to take that lesson forward and not just apply it to the online setting, but how do we apply it to the in-person, in-school setting as well um, so that students um, can continue to, to learn and grow and and, um, uh, and really be met where they're at. Um, so much of the time we ask students to kind of carry the load of meeting our schools where they're at versus us um, really supporting students in the variety of circumstances that they and their families um, face. And so I think it's just critical, but it can't just stay online. I I think the reality is that, you know, when often we look to those who are the most wealthy and say, okay, what what are they doing to educate their kids, right? And when we hear that folks are saying, how do we get them off computers? How do we um, get them into um, conversations and group learning and experiential mm-hmm. things uh, and, and opportunities. I think we need to make sure that those things are are um, available to to all students. And and so um, we know that online uh, education is going to continue. We know that there are going to be families who choose that um, for their students uh, and their children. Um, and we, I think we really need to make sure that that's working for students and not just, uh, it's less, less harmful. Yeah. Um, no, it's there, there, a point you made that I'm intrigued by and I, I kind of want to tug on a bit is, is that like in my advocacy, I've always said that like, if you want to know what's best for low income kids and kids of color, then look what middle-class and wealthy families demand for their kids and provide it for our kids. And something that I note in my experience working in the Gulf with a more affluent population I worked in in Tacoma is, is that at many elites or like air quotes elite schools, uh, they're running headlong into some of the most traditional practices ever. 
And so essentially what people at elite schools and like private schools and whatever is like, like the, the, the selling point for me in private schools was our kids were in person every day. Like that's what they want. Now, on the flip side, we look at kids at like less wealthy, less affluent schools, and there's all sorts of, well, I won't say all sorts of, but I feel like policymakers and policy experts want to innovate more with low-income kids. And so a lot of the talk about moving to online education pre-COVID was about doing that with low-income schools and low-income students. Uh, some of that due to shortages, some of that due to a lot of different reasons. But I'm just I'm just struck by the extent to which uh, what's good for the goose isn't always good for the gander. And I'm curious about, and I'm, I, I guess I, I want to hear from you, I guess. Let me ask this this way. You are a, you're, you're married to a teacher, one of my colleagues from Lincoln High School. Uh, and you have kids in Tacoma schools, yes? Yes. What was your experience of observing your kids in online school this year? Yeah, so, I mean, we, we made the best of it. Yeah. Um, teachers were making the best of it, uh, working hard. Um, and I would, I would say that in the midst of doing the best of it, the, the learning was uh, a lot less. Mm-hmm. I mean, frankly, just—, just and um, you know, and it was and it was less engaging um, for what my my kids are used to, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I think while there's certainly the content, and that's important to teach and teach well, you know, the foundation of building the kind of culture that I think learning happens is about relationships, mm-hmm. and um, that was hard to build, you know, this year. My younger daughter was fortunate to be in a class that looped with her teacher. And so they had that foundation of relationship. And she was a phenomenal – I mean she worked – I don't want to know how many hours preparing in the summer uh, to do uh, her job well. And so that – her – my younger daughter um, was able I think to progress more. But she still – she wanted to be in person. She wanted to connect. and uh, my my older daughter was in sixth grade, and I think it was just a it was it was just challenging, um, uh, you know, first year new school, mm-hmm. navigating um, multiple classes. Uh, so you know, I, I again I think teachers worked their tail off to deliver what they could, but so much of I think really strong education is built on the community you build within a class. And that was really difficult to do. That makes sense. It's so interesting to me because I feel like the 1920 year was actually easier than 2021 because we had had kids from September to March. And so it was an established rapport. So it was, hey, existing learning community, we're now going to do this online. Whereas the 2021 cohort was, hey, I don't know you. I'm going to meet you online. I'm going to teach you online. We're going to remain online. And then if we're lucky, I'm going to meet you in the late spring. So just a thought there. All right. This episode of the Nerd Farmer podcast is brought to you by our friends at Libro.fm. Libro.fm is an audio bookseller. They operate online and actually are based out of Seattle. If you join Libro.fm using promo code Tacoma, you will get two books your first month for the price of one. Uh, speaking of Libro.fm and their book selections, a couple of recs I want to put out there. Uh, I recently finished The Deficit Myth by Stephanie Kelton. She is one of the creators behind the theory of modern monetary theory, and that ties to a past episode. It's an amazing book that basically lays out the idea that like, when it comes to debt in the United States, we focus on debt-to-GDP ratio, but really we should understand that the U.S. as its own currency creator can print money if it wants to, and we should watch inflation. 
And what Kelton posits we should do is use that money to invest in people, invest in a job guarantee, and rebuild our infrastructure. Great book by an economist, great thinker. The other book I recommend, Other Side of the Spectrum. It's a sci-fi classic named Tau Zero. Tau Zero is the story of a ship that is stranded in space, and essentially the faster that it goes, the faster time goes. And so essentially they end up traveling through thousands and thousands of years, trying to find a new home, knowing that everybody they know back home is dead, and society back home basically is gone. It's a sci-fi classic, hard sci-fi, like lots and lots of detail, but it's a hell of a read. So if you're interested in either one of those or LibroFM at all, go to LibroFM.com, use promo code Tacoma, and you will get two books for the price of one for your first month. Next, we sincerely appreciate you listening to this conversation. What we try to do on the network is have conversations that emphasize local voices and local issues. Bill is somebody in our community who is running for school board and also very thoughtful about education issues. If you want to hear more of these voices, consider joining Channel 253 as a member. A membership costs $4 a month or $40 a year. And if you join Channel 253, you get access to our memory Slack. And right now, the Slack is jumping with conversations about the mayor's race. We are having this conversation before the primary. Uh, and so when you're listening to this, you'll know the result. Uh, but, but there's lots of conversation about the, frankly, unqualified campaign of Steve Haverly, uh, and then also upstart campaign of Jamika Scott running for mayor. And so if you want to be engaged, want to be plugged in civically, think about joining Channel 2 Fridays. Remember, your dollars help us keep this work going. All right, Bill, back to you. So when we arranged this interview, uh, you sent me a follow-up email and you were asking about like, do you want to proceed with the interview given like the rise in COVID? And I, I nodded that email and it gave me pause. I'm vaccinated, you're vaccinated, Doug's vaccinated, the variants are out there. So you strike me as somebody who is cautious and takes this very seriously. I'm curious, what kind of precautions are you taking for your family? And then also what kind of precautions do you want school systems or think they should take? Yeah. So, I mean, I think myself and our family, like everyone is, you know, trying to make sense of the news. And, uh, you know, we took a couple steps forward this summer where, um, you know, three of our four and our family are vaccinated. Our nine-year-old is not. And so we're trying to um, make some of those social connections that we just need mm-hmm. um, uh, to, to, to be human. Um uh, while while still being cautious and and cautious for our family and for our daughter who's not vaccinated yet, um, but also cautious for for all of our community. Right, we're in this. I mean, we we truly are in this together. Mm-hmm. As as more of us get vaccinated, all of us are safer. Um, and so, uh, you know, we have decided that as. We were we were masking up less when we were vac- uh, those of us who were vaccinated, but now we're we're really deciding when we go inside that that we're trying to mask up um, consistently um, for ourselves and our family and and for our community. We think that's important, especially as we learn more about um, the Delta variant. And um, so so I think um, you know. Much like my wife and I have to have conversations, we have to put plans in place and and, and be on the same page. I think that that's really important that our our district uh, and our our state and our schools do that. Um, uh, state level and local level being on the same page, but also then at the district level, districts and teachers and and families being on the same page and being as as transparent as possible. I really appreciated. 
and I believe that, that I heard that the governor uh, yesterday said that we're going to have a mass mandate K-12 uh, for back to school. Um, and while I, I know my kids, and especially my 12-year-old who is vaccinated, sure. she's not going to want to wear her mask. And I understand that. Um, she doesn't right now. <laughs> um, and in completely reasonable. And I think for the sake of learning, for the sake of not putting uh, students and families in really difficult situations, I think the mass mandate moving forward, given our vaccination levels, given um, the kind of breakouts that we're seeing in other parts of the country around the Delta uh, variant, I think is a, a sensible decision. And I think, um, you know, I, I think also knowing that here at the end of July, early August, it just helps people prepare. Mm -hmm. and, and so I think that that's really helpful. I think understanding um, and having districts being transparent about what their plans are if an outbreak happens or if we start seeing higher levels of vaccination, what we're able to do um, or what we can't do and, and trying to uh, be as transparent as possible. Uh, about those things uh, for our our teachers and our our community and students and families, I think would be really helpful. Um, it it both gives our community something to shoot for in terms sure. of vaccination levels and in terms of of uh, of precautions, um, but it, it also helps us prepare to understand like, hey, these are the realities that could happen if if we don't get to where we need to go or. Uh, if there is an outbreak. Mm. Um, so I think I think that's, that would be important. One of the benefits that I have of teaching overseas is, is that I'm able to see what we're doing in the Gulf, and then also I'm plugged into a community of teachers across the world and seeing what they're doing. So for example, like in Singapore, nobody wears masks. But what they do is they have contract tracing. So when you arrive at a place, uh, you basically like scanning with a QR code, uh, and then also there's a Bluetooth pinging system where like if you've been in contact with somebody who, is, who tests positive, you basically go into self-quarantine. And that's how they control the virus. Uh, in UAE, where I live currently or where I live but I'm not right now, uh, they test like crazy. And so I've had my nose poked over 40 times. Basically, at our school, you would have a test every two weeks. And so, like, on the testing day, you would have your test and you would have your result and you would show it the next day. And you were, like, not allowed on campus unless you had a negative test. And what the school would do is if there were high numbers of tests, then, like, either that grade would go out, or that classroom would go out, or, like, they would close the whole school. And so we were in and out throughout the year. A lot of flexibility there. Uh, besides masking... What preparations do you think that the community, and not just this community also, so like let's zoom out of Tacoma schools. Let's look kind of Washington educations in general. Besides masking, what preparations do you think that school leaders should be making? Yeah, so I, I, I think, um, you know, preparation for, uh, you know, the plan is in, in person. And I think we need to be ready to pivot if, mm -hmm. if that um, is necessary. I mean, I would love, I would love to be in a position where we had the testing capability to, to do the type of thing that you described happening in, in, in other countries and communities. And my, my unprofessional <laughs> knowledge is that we just don't have that capacity. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, and that's, that's 
not due to resources. It's due to a lack of planning um, and a lack of organization and, you know, infrastructure Mm -hmm. uh, to do that. Um, So I think, you know, for us, it's, you know, the way we can create safe learning environments is mask, it's social distancing, um, it's, it's doing enough testing. And I, I, I think, you know, this past school year, we had to fill out a form every time we took our, our, our students to school, uh, our kids to school, which, which was a pain. Sure. Um, but that may need to continue, likely should continue. Um, because the other thing that, and again, I'm not a health expert, right? But everything that I hear is that the this Delta variant is different than anything we've seen mm. during previous school years. And so we have to be ready for, you know, it spreading yeah. and, 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 and what we, you know, how we move learning and, and whether it's a class, a, a grade level or a school, yeah. we, we just have to be ready for that. And we have to have, um, whether it's testing or whether it's questionnaires, uh, we, we need to find ways to, to try and detect that early um, and make good decisions based off of the information we have. Yeah. I, I think the thought that most folks had, and that's weird since I think the thought, but whatever, uh, that most folks had walking out of school in June was we're going, we're finishing the year now and we'll all be back in person in the fall and everything's going to be okay. The Delta variant has come out and I feel, and you're hinting to the idea that like we're heading toward a situation where we're going to start in person, but we don't know how things are going to go. Uh, you talked about the preparation that you think that should be happening. Again, this is I'm, I'm not trying to do a Tacoma thing right now, but well, it's Tacoma Podcast Network, but whatever. Uh, have you seen that thorough communication that you're talking about that we're going to start in person, but we need to be flexible? Do you feel that you've been seeing that in other places or here? I, I, I haven't, I haven't seen it okay. specifically here. Um, and, and part of it is you, you don't know if the planning is happening as yeah. the communication or, or vice versa. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm not, I just don't know. No, I, so that, that's why we're having this conversation because yeah. I have that same concern. The impetus for this entire like series of episodes is is a person named Robin Lick, who's a policy analyst, uh, basically made a comment that we should be making plans for the fall now, and we're not seeing those plans now. And so I would say if you're listening to this and you're a school policymaker, you're a board director, you're a, a superintendent, and not just Tacoma. This is not me talking about Tacoma. It's talking about everywhere. It makes me definitely talking about Seattle. Uh, like th- now was the time to making plans and communicating with families. I think I want to close with this. You and your work with Teresa Change work with students who are the people who why I went into teaching. Uh, like I love teaching high school students and the students at Lincoln High School. I, I've said this multiple times, but like the kids are not the reason why I'm not at Lincoln anymore. The kids are the best part about Lincoln High School, honestly. Uh, what does the degrees of change plan look like to support students in the upcoming year with applying for the access scholarship and all the other services you guys offer? Yeah. So, um, we, we are, um, you know, trying to last year we were completely kind of online Mm -hmm. outreach, uh, to students and and around application and, and, and word of mouth. And so we're going to continue that. 
Um, we're hoping that partners will be allowed on school um, uh, to, to do the in-person recruitment that we normally do. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we will kind of support and shepherd through the process and we're ready to, to pivot. And so uh, usually we have a in-person event after applications are in. Uh, we didn't have that this sure. past year. Uh, we supplemented our application with a, a video opportunity for students. Um, so we'll continue to pivot and, and continue to be um, attuned to kind of what's going on, on the ground and, and with our public school partners who, who are really the way that we recruit students and our partnerships with teachers. Um, you know, and then, you know, we continue to try and balance the supporting students in the here and now while continuing to look for us, look to the future for, for what our, our programming mm. offers and, and, you know, our goal to grow and, and continue to um, serve more students and have more impact, uh, particularly for us in the, the career development space. Two closing bits. If folks are listening to this and they're like, I like this Hannah Walt guy. He seems to have a good head on, head on his shoulders and they want to support your candidacy, where can they look? Yeah, you can uh, go to my website, uh, electbillhannawalt.com um, or I'm old <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, Facebook is the social media uh, my daughter tells me dad nobody goes there and I tell her voters uh, are often there so um, you, you can look me up on Facebook as well alright and then if folks want to hear more about Degrees of Change or they want to support the Access program where can they look? Yeah, that's uh, www.degreesofchange.org, um, and you can find uh, more in-depth information uh, on our program websites, access.org or seedinternships.org. Bill, thank you very much for coming on the show today. Wakanda forever, y'all. Wash your hands. Get vaccinated. Get a booster if you can get a booster. Uh, and convict the police that killed Manuel Ellis. Channel 253 is a member-supported podcast network. I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I'm asking you to become a member and show your support. Go to channel253.com slash membership to join. Thank you. Welcome to the Nerd Farmer podcast. Oh, damn. Try again. <laughs> Nerd Farmer is part of the Channel 253 podcast network. Check out our other shows. Interchangeable White Ladies. Give me the mic. We Art Tacoma. Move to Tacoma. Taco Man. Flounder's B Team. Crossing Division. Citizen Tacoma. And What Say You? This is Channel 253.